Welcome to Camera Shake Podcast, episode number 126, the podcast where we talk about photography, videography, and anything that's got anything to do with any of that. And today we're talking about the top tips for getting better pictures in 2022 from some of the best photographers in the business today. Now, if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, be reminded there's a fully-fledged video version over on YouTube in full Technicolor. So if my soldier voice is enough for you, then you must well head over to YouTube where you can catch the whole shebang in full Technicolor. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about the top tips to take better pictures in 2022, or actually at any time, uh, by some of the best photographers in the business today. So uh, I've been in touch with some of our former guests, and let me tell you, there's some pure gold dust coming up right now. So the first tip is by none other than Adam Lerner. And tip number one is fill the frame. Fill the entire frame to tell your story and keep anything extraneous out. What it means is don't get sidetracked by anything in the background. You know, get all the stuff out that really doesn't um, add to the image. Really hone in on the, on the one thing, the most important thing that you want to show and that tells your story. So get rid of all of the stuff you don't need. It's a really important thing to remember, especially as a beginner, um, because we get sidetracked by all of these, um, all of these other things that might be happening around us. So you know, get yourself a zoom lens. You know, zoom in or use your feet and move closer to your subject or whatever it is that you're that you're photographing, and really try and really focus on the one thing that matters the most. That's a great tip. Tip number two from none other than the master of the headshot himself, Mr. Peter Hurley. And Peter's tip is, if you are photographing humans, don't hit the shutter button if that jawline is nailed. Period. But absolutely, if you are taking portraits or you're doing headshots or anything like this, you know, make sure you get a really sharp, really sharp um, jawline. So, for instance, what you want to do is you want to ask your subject to um, basically push the head forward and push the chin forward. So you get what's called a turtleneck. It's really awkward because nobody walks around like this, but in a photograph, it really, really does, uh, you know, it makes a huge difference. The last thing you want to do is photograph some, someone with like multiple chins. That's never good. So, you know, get your subject to stick out the neck, you know, get really sharp jawline and, uh, and make sure you get that real definition under there. That will make everyone look a million times better. And your client or your subject is going to love it. Tip number three comes from none other than the master of the color gel himself, Mr. Jay Kicks. You can only add gel to a shadow. That actually took me a little while to understand. And what that means is, is that if you're adding colored lights on top of already lit areas, that will result in a very washed out uh, color or in very washed out colors with no saturation. So really, it's of defeating the whole purpose of using colored gels at all. So really, you know, try and uh, try and focus on the shadows when you're coloring your your lights or when you're gelling your lights, because that will it will um, it will give you a lot more saturation. The colors are going to be much punchier, and it's going to give you the desired effect. Um, it's, it's a mistake I've made many times, um, you know, when I first started using color gels, and I didn't really understand at the time that white light seems to overpower everything. So if you're you know if you're if you've got some um, some gel lights pointing at your subject. And then you've got a white light pointing at the subject as well. Then really, you know, you're not really getting the full effect of the colors. And the same thing is true when you're trying to gel a white background, for example. Um, 
really in order to get the full color, you're much better off uh, using a darker background, like a, like a gray, like 50% gray uh, background, or even a black background, because the colors will pop so much more. I know it's a little bit counterintuitive, but that's really what happens. So try it out. If you've got some color gels at home, you know, some speed lights or some studio strobes, and you're not really that familiar with, uh, with gelling and lights, and that's a super awesome tip. I wish I'd known that when I first started using color gels. Talking about shadows, here's tip number four from none other than Frank Dorhoff. Now, Frank's got a super awesome tip because uh, his tip is you know, use a torch or uh, maybe the, you know, the flashlight from your smartphone and move it around the shadows. Um, and that will give you a really good idea as to what's happening uh, with the shadows on your subject. So if you just, you know, if you take your smartphone and you move it around, um, you can get a really good idea as to where to position your lights and what effect that has, you know, whether, uh, whether you're getting that, that really nice Rembrandt triangle under the eye or, you know, or whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. So that's a really, really good, uh, really good tip. Um, it's really often something that, that works great for people starting with studio strobes. So if you haven't got a lot of experience using, um, you know, speed lights or studio strobes, and you want to get into portraiture, for example, that's a super awesome tip. Just use your smartphone. Everybody's got one. And here's tip number five from none other than Mr. Adrama TV, Mark Wallace. Make lots of mistakes. The only way to learn anything is by falling forward. Try to reframe what success means. If you shoot at night and get blurry photos, you'll learn how shutter speed impacts motion blur. Mistake made, lesson learned. Congratulations, you're now a better photographer. You had crappy photos, but you succeeded in learning. Try to shoot like a child. When we're kids, we'll try anything. We don't care if we fail. We're kids. We fail all the time. And that's how we grow and learn as kids. So the next time you head out to try new things, go all in. Be okay with your mistakes. If you're not failing, you're not growing. Fail, learn, grow, fail forward. I love that tip. Nothing is ever going to be perfect on the first attempt. That's just not ever going to happen. Or you're going to be extremely lucky. I don't know anybody who's ever won the lottery by just buying one ticket ever. In fact, I've never known anybody to win the lottery at all. But, you know, failing is such an important aspect of growing as a photographer. You know, we make mistakes left, right, and center. In fact, you know, it's the same no matter whether you uh, play an instrument or you learn an instrument or you learn, you know, photography. Um, you, you get going. You take some pictures, you know, you try out the color gels or you try out your speed lights or your studio strobes or whatever it may be. Um, you look at the results, you go, well, that didn't turn out good at all. So you just go back to the drawing board, you know, try something else. Try to learn from every mistake that you make and try to take the whole thing apart, you know, backwards engineer it and try and figure out what went wrong and why it went wrong. Um, and then, you know, go back and try again. And probably the second time around, you would have eradicated some of the mistakes from the first attempt. And it, you know, your results are probably going to be um, a lot better. Now, you know, then you go at it the third time and the fourth time and the fifth time round. And by the time you've used gels a hundred times, I'll guarantee you, your image is going to look a lot better than the first view that you've taken. And the same thing is true with anything, whether you're doing portraits or landscape images. Um, I know, because I'm not much of a landscape photographer, but I know that, uh, you know, going out at the right time of day is extremely important so that the light is right. Um, how many times have I, you know, got to a place and I've taken some pictures and I come home and I looked at them and I thought, well, oh, man, they don't, look, they don't look anything like I would like them to look. And that's just because I rocked up a 
midday, the sun high in the sky, and it was just the worst light possible. Um, but you take that into consideration, you learn from it, and maybe next time you get your butt out of bed early so you get the first light in the morning. Is that ever going to happen? Maybe. Maybe. I'm working on it. Anyway, make a mistake, learn from it, fail forward. Awesome tip. And here's tip number six from Sean Elizabeth. Now, Sean's tip actually is very similar to what we've just talked about. She says it's all very well having the gear, but you have to actually physically go and try things to see if it works and if you like it. That's the only way to improve. It's the best way to learn and it's the best way to get booked for jobs. Absolutely true. Again, we all learn in different ways, but I think for the vast majority, I'd say probably all photographers, you know, what is true is that it really, you know, um, the, the experience of being hands-on and actually going out there and, you know, physically taking photos um, and then reevaluating them and look at them and think like, okay, well, that worked out well or that didn't work out, you know, um, that's really, really super important. You know, sometimes... That's exactly how lucky accidents happen as well. I know this from my own experience. I remember uh, when I started um, a project called Three Heads in a Row. Check it out on Instagram. Uh, but that really came about because I was trying to take um, a self-portrait for the about page on my website. And I sort of had some ideas as to how I wanted it to look. Um, and it was meant to be serious. It was meant to be a serious self-portrait of me on the about page. But um, then because I had to use a remote control, to uh, trigger the shutter, um, I hit the button and I wasn't ready with my pose and the thing flashed and took a picture um, and I was of mid-pose. And when I looked at that image, um, it really looked quite funny. It was, it was almost like a comedic mishap. Um, and that really gave me the idea to turn this whole thing into a project in the first place and to actually, you know, um, inject some humor and kind of go for that, you know, comedic effect. Um, that really wasn't intentional or intentional from the beginning it just happened. It was a lucky mistake. It was just because I was experimenting with different things and then I, you know, reviewed the images and I kind of thought, oh, okay, that actually, that wasn't what I intended to do, but that's pretty cool. So let's, let's ride with that. Awesome. So, um, great tip from Sean there. Tip number seven from none other than travel photographer, Dave Williams. Tip number seven is we need our photos to stand out from the crowd. And the best way to do that is to study what the crowd are doing then deliberately doing something else. Instagram influencers are all shooting the same thing and are causing all the other camera owners to copy them, which Dave calls the Eiffel Tower effect. Check out his book, by the way, called the Eiffel Tower effect. We have to think differently and shoot differently using all the photographic principles we know, such as composition and color theory, so that we stand out. That's a, actually, that's a really, really good thing to always remember. You know, when you're going to a place, um, and that may be Lake Louise, I have a story of my own, um, uh, or what you do, whether you're whether you're trying to photograph, you know, landmarks in London or in New York City or wherever you are, you know, think about what everybody else does. It's really easy. You just search for, you know, the Empire State Building on Instagram, for example, and you come comes up with lots of images for the Empire State Building or St. Paul's in London or Tower Bridge or whatever. Uh, or Lake Louise. And what you'll get is probably a whole ton of images that look very similar. And that gives you an idea as to what people do. Like, what focal length do they use? You know, where do they position themselves? What's the angle? You know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, what time of day do they photograph it and so on. And then try and work out how you can do something different. 
just to get a different effect and not take the same image that everybody else is taking. Um, I do find that a lot in, uh, in like photo competitions, especially when it comes to things like you know uh, the River Thames or the House of Parliament or um, you know very well-known landmarks in London, for example. Um, you end up seeing the same images time and time and time again. And although they may be very well executed and from a purely from a technical point of view, it might be very good. Um, you know, very often you kind of think, well, I've seen this image so many times before. And so uh, that's what Dave calls the Eiffel Tower effect. It's because it seems like everybody, you know, it seems like there's only one spot in front of the Eiffel Tower where everybody has to stand, <laughs> mark it with a red cross or something. And everybody has to stand there and uh, it has to take the you know picture of the Eiffel Tower from exactly the same spot. Um, we could be a little bit more creative than that. We could maybe find our own angle, you know, maybe walk around a little bit. Um, the same thing really, you know, that's exactly what happened to me at Lake Louise. I've told the story on the, um, on the podcast in the past, but I went to Lake Louise in Alberta and, um, and I got there and we've been driving for a couple of hours and I was really hungry. And for those of you who've been to Lake Louise, you probably remember this. Basically, you walk up to the lake and on the right-hand side is a hotel and, you know, a restaurant and really good burgers. Um, and and so I got there and I looked at the lake and that's, you know, and there were lots of people there taking pictures. And so I just went, I took some images from the exact same spot and then I went and had something to eat. And so the image that I came back with really looks very similar to just about every single postcard of Lake Louise that I've ever seen is is really the same shot. Um, So it really doesn't stand out at all. It's just what everybody else takes. And then when I thought about that afterwards, I thought, well, what a missed opportunity because there's a really cool boathouse just uh, maybe 50 yards to the left uh, that would have given me some really cool different angles, Uh, maybe some canoes in the foreground or something like that. you know, just spending the time walking around, finding a different perspective is is so, so important. So that's an awesome tip. So remember, when you're photographing something, always look for what everybody else is doing and try and find a different angle, quite literally. Tip number eight, one of the greatest wildlife photographers out there, Moose Peterson. White balance is an important part of the photograph. Photograph, or the root of the word, is right with light. And the color of the light is a very important part of that. Getting white balance right in the camera not only gathers more data for a better file, but it also moves emotions in telling a visual story. That's a really that's a really great tip. I mean, how many people listening to this podcast um, sort of resort to the auto white balance um, setting on your camera? Now, white balance is something that's I mean, it's relatively, especially with digital photography, it's relatively easy to fix and post, but it doesn't mean that you should ignore that when you're taking pictures in the first place. Um, because as Moose says, it's a, it's a really important part of, of getting more data um, and a better file from the, from the outset. So for those of you who are not that familiar with setting white balance in your camera, um, just imagine this. The reason why we want to set the white balance in the first place is because we really want to make sure that white is white and all the colors are accurate. Um, now, different light sources have different colors or emit light with a different color. And the way we measure that is by using the Kelvin scale. So just to give you an idea, um, a clear blue sky, for example, you would say that's roughly about 10,000 Kelvin. 
the midday sun is somewhere around 5,600 or thereabouts. Um, and a candle flame, which emits a very kind of yellowy, orangey type of light, um, that's, that's around about 1,800 to 2,000 Kelvin. So setting your white balance is really, really important because otherwise your image might look way too orange or too warm, or it might look way too blue or too cold. And it wouldn't really represent the colors as they were when you took the picture. So setting your white balance in camera is actually really quite important. Most cameras have an auto white balance function, which is great, but it can go wrong sometimes. And, you know, especially if you're, uh, you know, if you're taking multiple images, you might find that the white balance actually starts to shift a little bit because every time you take a picture, your camera measures the available light, you know, afresh. And so they might come up with different results. So actually setting your, your white balance to a definitive um, number of Kelvins is really quite important. The other thing is when you're in post-production and you're editing a whole batch of images, it's a lot easier when you don't have to fill around with every individual image and correct the white balance. But you know, if you, once you've set your white balance to the same thing and all of your images were recorded and you need to shift it and post it a little bit, um, most likely you can shift everything by the same degree. So it just makes batch editing much, much easier, much more efficient. So remember to set your white balance as much as you can. You can use a gray chart um, that can help you as well, like a gray card. Um, because that allows your your camera to measure um, 50% gray, middle gray. And uh, again, that gives your camera a really good idea as to what the, the, the true white balance should actually be. So super awesome tip, um, very often forgotten by us digital photographers. But yeah, set your white balance. Next up, tip number nine, by another familiar face from Adorama TV, Daniel Norton. Don't overthink it. When something grabs you emotionally, capture it. Again, that's a great tip. We all tend to forget that, I think, um, sometimes. Don't overthink it. It's so true. We all get wrapped up in, in all sorts of different lots of details when it comes to, you know, creating a shot or taking a picture or whatever. You know, it's uh, whether it's, you know, whether we're thinking about, our, you know, how are we going to set the lights, how are we going to, uh, you know, post the model, how are we going to set the background, or even when we're out and about in the street, for example. Street photography is a really good example. You know, you can't really think very much when you're taking um, street photos. You know, sometimes you just have to roll with it and just follow your gut. It's, you know, when you see something that, that grabs you emotionally, you got to capture it. Um, and very often, you know, when you then, when you review the images, uh, these images really jump out at you a lot more. So don't overthink it. When something grabs you emotionally, hit the shutter button. Now, Daniel isn't alone in thinking that because tip number 10 from London-based headshot guru Ivan Weiss, it's very similar. Think less, feel more. Again, let your emotions uh, be the driver sometimes, you know, and forget about all the technical stuff. Photography is sort of a mix between the technical and the creative. And we all, we're all on a spectrum somewhere. If you imagine, you know, that's the purely creative photographer and that's the purely technical photographer. You know, we're all somewhere on that spectrum somewhere. Some people are a little bit more technical. Some people are a little bit more uh, creative and don't really care about the technical too much. Uh, but we're all on that spectrum somewhere. And I think especially when, you know, we get a little too technical, it's a really good idea to just let go of that sometimes and just shoot out of the gut. So there you have it, the 10 top tips for taking better pictures in 2022. But don't switch off just yet. 
because I've got a couple of awesome bonus tips for you right here. Bonus tip number one, but none other than commercial photography guru, Joel Grimes himself. The most successful photographers on the planet have a secret. They repeat the photographic process more than their competition. They're goal-orientated, hard-working risk-takers, and know that success only comes through lots of practice and repeated failures. They never wait for work to fall in their lap, but have a rat-like cunning ability to make things happen. That is so, so, so true. Again, we talked about failure and the need to fail earlier. Um, again, it's really, that's a super important factor. But the other thing is, it's just, it's, it's really just about doing the work. Uh, you just can't get around the fact that in order to get better at taking pictures, you just have to kind of go and get and take pictures. It's exactly the same as, you know, learning how to play the guitar. If you want to get better at playing the guitar, you're just going to have to play the guitar. You know, you can you can read about playing the guitar as much as you want, but actually, you know, you're not going to get around getting your hands dirty and your fingers, you know, bloody and blistered. You're just going to have to get on the damn thing and play it. And that's what's going to make you a better guitarist. And photography is no different. If you want to get, become a better photographer, you're just going to have to go and take pictures. Um, it's... The one thing that really fascinated me uh, about Joel and Joel's attitude when, uh, you know, when we interviewed him uh, on the podcast last year at some point was really how tenacious he really is and, and has always been. Uh, it's an interesting thing. No matter how busy he's been, he's, you know, he's uh, gotten involved in, in personal projects pretty much every week or at least every month ever since he started in photography like 30, 40 years ago. And that's a real that's a real achievement because every time you try something that's a little out of the ordinary, something that's different from what you normally do, um, you grow. You grow as a photographer, you get better. You basically add weaponry to your armory and you just become a better photographer all around. You learn how to read light better. You learn how to deal with situations. But I, I tell you one thing, what's really super important is to actually learn how to deal with things that go wrong because no matter what you do, no matter what shoot you're on, things are always going to go wrong. No matter how much you plan, you know, things will go wrong. And the more experience you have, the easier it's going to be for you to get around that and get over that and you know, fix something that's gone wrong or find a solution and you know, find an alternative. Um, and that's very, very often, that's the thin line between success and failure when it comes to those, um, those sort of things. So, you know, just be hard-headed you know, be goal-oriented, be hard-working, just do the work. It, no matter how you, you know, who you speak to in the industry, um, I think the one thing you'll always hear is you just have to do the work. So you have to literally get your hands dirty, get in there, take lots of pictures, and that is what in the end will make you a better photographer. Okay, and here's our final bonus tip from portrait photographer and YouTube legend, Joe Edelman. Stop watching YouTube and stop listening to podcasts. Instead, go and pick up your camera and shoot and fail and shoot some more and fail some more and then go to YouTube as a resource and solve the problems you can't figure out and then go back and shoot some more. Notice the pattern here. It's all about getting in there, you know, doing the work, you know, taking pictures, you know, looking at your images, thinking, oh, that went well, that didn't go well, why didn't it go well? And, and that's where YouTube... And podcasts like this one come in really, really handy because that's where most of the solutions to your problems will lie. I mean, you'll find 
just about every answer to just about any question on YouTube. You know, you just need to know where to look. Um, so there's no point in, you know, spending hours and hours and days and weeks and months just trading through YouTube videos, you know, unless you actually go out there, pick up a camera, take pictures, you know, you're not really going to learn. So um, the best resources for learning photography are your camera manual and the basics of photography. Great book, by the way. Um, from there, you can listen and watch as much as you want, but you will not improve your photography until you shoot and shoot and shoot. That's not just my opinion or Joe's opinion. That is pure experience. But more importantly, it's an answer based on cognitive psychology. There are no shortcuts. If you want to get better, do the work. So I hope this was useful to you. Um, I loved getting in touch with uh, with our former guests and getting these awesome tips. I hope you liked it too. Bit of a shorter episode this week, but we'll be back with another guest next week, of course. Um, like I said, there's a lot of pure gold dust um, in this in this episode. If you are listening to the audio version, remember you can head back to YouTube and watch the whole thing in full Technicolor. Um, make sure you listen to it several times because there's so much great stuff in, in, in these tips. And remember, if you're on YouTube, just hit the like and subscribe button, uh, leave us a little comment. Um, and if you are listening to the audio version on Apple, for example, that'd be super nice if you left us a comment as well, because that will help us getting found. Thank you so much. We'll be back next week. Have a good time. Thank you.